Welcome everybody to our 100th. All right, now we're live. <laughs> and yes, like Georgia said, welcome to our 100th episode. And we have none other than our great friend, Norman, from the ultimate fashion history here celebrating our 100. Woo, we did it, Georgia. Yay. I just want to say, Moya, I really appreciate you for being the brains and the creative force and the great personality behind this podcast because it couldn't happen without you. I'm the research nerd, but I just want to say you have been so awesome and I have been loving having you as a podcast partner these past 99 episodes. And same here, um, Georgia. I literally couldn't do it without you. Without you, you are my inspiration. That sounds like a one of those old Chicago songs, a, a Hallmark car. But you really are because um, whenever I be like, oh, I don't know if I can do it, and it's, it's rare times. But I just think about how much we love to do it and how much you you're so sincere in um, supporting me when I came up with this and. Because for those of you who don't know, and well, well, welcome to How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood for one, for one thing. <laughs> well, we talk about just all things that we feel are classic cinema and, and life lessons, of course. And uh, we're going to get into our movie in a second. But yeah, when, when, when we first came up with this. So, Georgia, this is our third year? Yes. Seems longer than that. So I think that's about right. And and so yeah, well, well, last no, this year will be so, and and the summer will be our fourth year. So That's so right. now it's three years and counting, and um, and so we'll you know we we, I didn't I was hoping we would <laughs> make it to look every episode we took an episode by episode, but but um when I came up with it and Georgia Norman was so supportive because I was like let's do a podcast let's. Let's talk about it. And and Georgia didn't even hesitate, Norman. So just thank you so much for indulging me in my madness. And and Norman, poor Norman, we've drugged him along <laughs> this kooky ride. So thank you. And, and most of all, thank you to our audience. Thank you to, um, uh, first, we were just audio. So thank you to all our listeners. And we just found out, of course, uh, in North America and most English speaking um, parts of the world, we have our largest audience. But we just found out for some reason in Saudi Arabia. So shout out to Saudi Arabia, our listeners there. And then we, you know, of course, Facebook and thank you for all the um, and we don't have a large audience, but we, we met our goals. So thank you for the followers who are there and all supporting us. And then, of course, our YouTube followers. Again, we do this for you guys because we want to keep these movies alive. So just thank you so much, everybody. And I had, um, and so so I had the pictures to go with this. I want to do a retrospective. And since we have poor Norman here, Norman, I'm gonna we're gonna put you on a hot spot, on a hot seat. And uh, maybe I can just do this live right now. Um, 
because I, I had some pictures that I was going to put up there, but um, it, it didn't work out. So, Norman, our first ever movies that we did and we, um, we, can y'all hear me? I'm hearing some feedback. Is, is everything okay? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, our first movie that we did, we did two at once. And we did we did it on a video on my little raggedy tablet that's like so obsolete right now. You couldn't even upload like with it flash flash photos or anything like that on there. It couldn't even handle a GIF. But so let me share, Georgia. What was our first two movies? Do you remember? I think there were Mr. Skeffington. Okay. Uh, I think so, and I'm not sure about the other one. It was a Betty Davis movie, but I. Very good. Very good. So I am going to show that right now. Georgia, you were absolutely correct. It was Mr. Skeffington and the little, oh shoot, and the little foxes. Yes. So Norman, I'm putting you on the spot. Have you ever seen those those movies? Absolutely. I'm a diehard Betty fan. I've seen every yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'm putting, and guys, we are going to get to our today's movie. We are, we are. So, but since we got Norman, we're going to put him on the spot. Tell us what you thought of Skeffington, just in your most concise emotions, what you thought of Mr. Skeffington. And Claude Rains is one of my favorite pairings with Betty. I, all the, in the movies that they've done together, and just him by himself, he's just such, he brings such a gravitas to any picture. And I think that you know, the relationship between between him and Fanny. Fanny is, I think you have to suspend disbelief in a little bit because <laughs> the most beautiful woman in all of New York. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, but she does, she does generate this character. She does, she's able to sort of like portray this character. Um, and it's, it's, it's a poignant little story. It's cute. Um, I have nothing against it, for sure. I do think it's a little odd, like, you know, her daughter, they also named her Fanny. And then <laughs> that whole later section, you know, wasn't my favorite, but it was, it had a lot of charm to it. And I think a lot of that was was because of Claude Rains' performance. He's such a... Yeah, he's one of my unsung uh, actors. And if you wanted to learn how to to act, you would definitely need to listen to Claude Rain, watch Claude Rains rather. Even and even the older he got, he his his level never dropped. Um, George, anything you want to say about that first experience? Us, uh, how did how did you feel? If you can go back, how did you feel when I, when we hit when I hit the record button? What went through your mind? Terror. <laughs> But having you beside me, it really helped, Moya. Um, but, you know, I started to just try and concentrate on the movie because I knew that from a little bit of research I'd done that she loved Claude Rains as a co-star more than any other male star. She respected his talent and she knew that he kind of sharpened her. When she went head to head with him, it made her better and it made him better. And so they were an amazing uh, powerhouse when you put them on screen. It was ele just electricity. So I tried to concentrate on the movie, but to be perfectly honest, I was so scared. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, well, I, I couldn't tell. And I don't know where that footage is, Norman. We had, like I said, we videoed it first because it was just, we didn't know what we we're going to do. We, 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 this was just to see if we could do it. And we clicked. 
And as I said, the rest is history. Um, so, and I gotta find it, George. I thought I'd transfer, but I'm trying to find it. And it's, it's probably all grainy and horrible, but yeah. And I'm not gonna say where we were when we did it, but you know, we, it wasn't anywhere that's salacious, illegal or immoral. <laughs> we not, did it. not at all. Well, <laughs> for, for confidentiality purposes, I won't say where we, uh, where we did it, but, um, I, so Norman, you know, George and I would talk about movies all the time when we were at work and so it just was a natural so I, I kept saying Georgia like just do what we do normally but I will just have the you know the tablet in front of us and, and record so that's how we wound up doing it so let's take a look at our our next um, movie and here we go the little foxes so Norman tell me what you think about this one. Oh wow um, yeah, I, I do like this movie a lot. Um, I think Betty's just fantastic in it. I think this is the beginning of a rift between her, uh, and the director who, you know, kind of catapulted her to, you know, her first, you know, Oscar or her second Oscar picture. But, um, but you can definitely see a hardness here to her that enters into the picture and, and she's quite delightful being evil. This is... <laughs> You know, she's 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 quite an unlikable person. The whole family is unlikable people, uh, and I think they really portray that quite well. It also has Teresa Wright, who is always a favorite. Um, so yeah, it's a good movie. I also I want to say the fashions in both of these pictures are really interesting. They're historical fashions. Uh, Mr. Skeffington goes from like the you know early teens to like the mid thirties and forties, and this one is squarely in the early nineteen hundreds, and it's quite beautiful. The costumes are gorgeous. Yeah, oh. let's this let's take a look at my favorites. This hat. Oh my gosh. And and I love a, a good cameo. Well, the, the jewelry piece I'm talking about. Um, and this is what at the height when women really wore a lot of those those pieces like that, and then in the court, the corsages. And she has the whole flock of seagulls on her head, doesn't she? <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. Um, let, let's take and Norman, I'm glad you brought that up because let's not ignore and this is the height of lace and and let's take a look at that. Look at this one. And look at the hair. And this was what they call that lady, the the Gilmore girl. That's not right. Gibson girl. Gibson, yeah. The height of that. And the those tight bodices. But look at that lace. Just gorgeous. So yeah, so um so we, so Norman, what we did, I think it was like an hour long session. My, oh, 30 minutes. I can't re remember um, what we did, how, how long we did it. But anyway, um, so we just flowed. We did, we started with um, Skeffington and then we flowed into the Little Foxes and we had a lot of fun. So George, I did kind of go back and listen to some of that um, when I was working on this. So um, let's take a look at this next one. So this, it, I'm sorry, guys. This this pretty much going to be a Betty Davis retrospective. <laughs> we, of course, we've done other movies, but Betty gave us this gave us. So this this, this was our early stuff, right, Georgia? This this yeah. was our legs, our our love for Betty Day. So we did a lot of her. We did, we did a lot of Barbara Stanwyck too. So okay, Norman. And so Georgia, you know, we, we only doing little short drops, but once we got to get Norman and we got to do all about Eve all over and, and probably get Norman in on. So Norman, what is, what do you think about all about Eve? The most wonderful movie. Yeah. 
I think this and Now Voyager and Dark Victory are like my favorite, 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 favorite Betty Davis movies. Um, but this one, the the her casting in this is just perfect. It would have been Claudette Colbert, who I really can't see doing as brilliant. No. Mm -mm. Uh, um, it crackles. It really crackles. It's such a good. Uh, it's such a great movie. I really enjoy her characterization. The clothes are fabulous. The dress that she wears at the party, um, you know, she just she just has a look that's just so elegant, so New York, you know. Yeah, I um and and of course Marilyn Monroe was in this movie. Had a little uh, little cameo. So my other girl is Ann Baxter. Yeah, I. Love Ann Baxter. And she's so, I mean, she's she's one of uh best supporting actress um for another movie, um, for, for Razor's Edge. So we did Razor's Edge early on too. Um, we actually recorded that one in my house. I don't know where that footage is either, George. I'm after it's on that tablet, I guess. I don't know. And that tablet is DOA. But um, so Ann Baxter got the war for that. So Ann Baxter is also in this movie. Norman, what are your feelings about her? Uh, Ann Baxter, not versus, but with because her her and Betty were friends. But how do you, how do you feel about Ann Baxter as an actress? Um, yeah, I think in this movie she really did a good job of sort of maintaining that line, um, so that as her character gets revealed, it becomes a uh, very interesting development for her. Um, I she's okay. She's not my favorite, but you know I like her. She's great in this role. I think she really capitalized on um a certain intensity here um which is really enjoyable to watch okay yeah um and and, and she didn't compete talking about in scenes with betty davis it was just perfectly cast and george sanders love him to death he's not a, he's not on here in this picture um and then um georgia tell us about gary merrill um the person to the left of betty what's the trivia behind that this was maybe her third husband. I'm not sure exactly what where he was in the line of succession, but uh, um, I thought he did a really good job in this movie. Yeah, it, she tried to put Gary Merrill in there, and I and I remember seeing him in one other movie. But he's a very good actress. Does it back? He's a great actor. Does a great job in it. Um, I don't have a whole lot more that I can remember about Gary Merrill, but um, I thought Betty was just brilliant in this movie and it gave us that memorable line. It's going to be a bumpy night. Yeah. And they, they married and had quite a tumultuous relationship. She always said that he married Margot Channing and woke up with Betty Davis and, and uh, they never quite, uh, you know, they, <laughs> they had it. They had 10 years together. And in this movie, I think that even, um, Celeste Holm, you know, in interviews has said, like, you know, they were falling in love on camera. So it really added a lot of, of uh, you know, oomph to the production. You know, just the fact that they were falling in love as the movie is being filmed and there was a lot of sexual tension in the air. I think it added to another layer to the movie that's already there, you know. Okay, Norman, I'm going to test how how much of a Betty Davis fan you are because this movie is our, was our first um, uh, video that we did. Um, 
made a, a video just just kind of like what we're doing now but i edited it and um george and i did the voiceovers blah 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 so let me see if you know what this movie is um, let me make sure there's no uh clues okay oh dear is that uh that's uh dead ringer right oh my god <laughs> wow yes got it you have to wake up very very early if you think Hilarious, hilarious. So what did you think about this one? So this was later on her career, like in the 60s. What did you think about this was 63? What did you think about this one? The one and only, I believe, movies that she herself, her production company was in charge of. Um, and I heard it said in some biography that, you know, she'd been demanding and demanding and demanding for, for you know, quality pictures, quality pictures, quality roles. And she finally had the chance and she decided to co-star against herself. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It's a very interesting picture from a term, from a technological point of view. She does play twins. There's always that intrigue about like, how is she going to get away with it? Um, yeah, it's interesting movie. It's very gritty. It's very like 60s. It's a different, different kind of Betty for sure. Um, but the two Bettys together are, are quite interesting to see. Giorgio, um, do you remember when we did this one? What are your memories of this one? Um, this was a fun one um, because, I mean, you've got <laughs> what she does to her twin and yeah and, and just like norman said the real intrigue in this movie is how is she going to be convincing as the other twin you know and and if, and you know it's because she plays the evil twin that you see here just like she does in a stolen life you see betty versus betty again but this was i believe um i can't i think this was the second one that she did because she did a still life first then she did a dead then she did dead ringer um and so this movie was just so much fun to see her pull this off because you can imagine this was had to be terribly difficult for her to be such a contrast in characters to be so convincing that she did and you also have Peter Lawford, who is kind of uh, hot at the moment. And Carl Malden is always an amazing actor. I think he's an underrated uh, actor. He's he's really terrific in here. I think that the uh, the affection that he has for the poor poor sister is just so touching and so endearing. Um, I really believed the story, their their, their story. Um, also, I loved the scene in her bar where, you know, she's got the band playing and she's, you know, kind of, you kind of get the sense that she's, um, you know, trying to get a business going, trying to help other people. And she's just always behind the eight ball and then she's just really struggling. And I, I, I like that twin story. And I'm glad you brought that up because uh, when you mentioned the bar, there's uh, this jazz duo, I believe, in there. And, and, and um, this it's not a rarity, but it kind of is because we've had we have seen uh, black musicians featured in movies. I mean, you know, but the fact that they kept most of the time you saw black uh, musicians in movies, they were already prominent. Like you saw Louis Armstrong or um, Cab Calloway or something. But the, it was really cool that they featured this. Um, it was a, a, a male and a female. I think they were a real life couple of. Of course, I can't remember their names, but um, 
they would feature them. You know, they would actually put the camera on them and it was adding actually to the scene of the movie. And then, like you said, her bar and um, it's the 60s and, you know, the early 60s, of course, the civil rights movement, movement and what have you. But for them to feature these people who weren't household names and put them on there to really give the zeitgeist of that that bar scene and the scene of that city. I thought that was, in my opinion, um, unique, very unique. And I remember us, George, and I talking about that. But um, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm like with you, Norman. Um, Betty can rarely do any wrong. And I, we really had a lot of fun doing Dead Ringer. And um, that, I, I had a headache editing because I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing, but I really learned on Dead Ringer how to um, edit and put my videos together. Um, and I wanted to do some more. We we Our first reaction video, everyone, was Ladies in Retirement with Ida Lupino. I'm, I'm not going to pull it up. Our first Christmas was, of course, It's a Wonderful Life. I'm not going to pull it up right now. But um, so we just had a blast uh, doing that. And I just... Thank again, thank you, audience, and thank you, Georgia. So let's get to our today's movie. And of course, it's going to be none other than Betty. So, so let's. And here's our movie. Yay! So we are okay. I thought it was sharing it. Let's see. Let's see. Did it come up? Okay, let me put it up right now. Um. Oh, oh okay. I see what's going on. So yeah, I really. Sorry, I'm knocking everybody off. <laughs> knocking everybody. Oh my gosh, wait, I'm booming big time. <laughs> Let me see. Let's go back to no, no, look, look at that. <laughs> I want everybody in the screen. <laughs> All right, can we see? Can we please see the um let me see? Stop screen. Let's stop screen. Let's try this again. See, I told you, I'm, I, I'm still learning everybody. This is on the job training, everyone. There we go. Okay, let's see how that looks. There we go. That's what I want to see. So here's today's movie, Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. So guys, take it away. What trivia in front of the camera, behind the camera. Let's get into it. Okay, well... This movie has such a backstory because it was supposed to have been the second pairing after whatever happened to baby Jane. And they were going to have a um, Joan Crawford with Betty again. However, about a couple of weeks into the filming of the movie, uh, Joan Crawford ostensibly needs to drop out claiming illness. And so it causes a mad dash or a scramble to find somebody else to co-star in the movie. Otherwise the whole project is going to need to be scrapped. And so they had several really great ladies that they considered for the role. They uh, tried to replace her with Catherine Hepburn, uh, Barbara Stanwyck, Vivian Lee, Loretta Young, and they all turned it down. And Vivian Lee, is reported to have said, oh, I could face maybe Joan Crawford in the morning at seven, but Betty Davis's face? No way. <laughs> thought, oh, my God. But, you know, can you imagine how that would have been? Because you would have had Betty Davis, think of her as Jezebel against Scarlett O'Hara, Scarlett v. Jezebel. Just think of that. That would have been wild, wouldn't it? <laughs> but anyway, so then just as everybody has turned them down, 
Betty says, well, you know, let's bring in my friend Olivia de Havilland. And so the story goes that uh, the director, Aldrich, he traveled all the way to her home in Switzerland, took days to get there and convinced her after wooing her for a time, like, you've got to help us out. She said, okay, I'm going to help my dear friend Betty. And so that's part of the reason how you got there. But another thing that happened was when it was obvious that uh, they had to let go of Joan Crawford, uh, Aldrich, the director, said, give us a couple of days so that we can notify her attorney. And Betty jumped the gun and said, ah, oh, no, no. So she informed her press agent. It went public. And <laughs> Joan Crawford, I think, found out through the media that she had been fired from the production and she was going to be replaced. So there goes Betty and Joan to get another salvo in their ongoing feud. Now let's, let's Norma, we're going to go through each woman. We're going to be real, real catty. If you will, I hate to use that term, but we are Catherine Hepburn go in, in the role uh, of the cousin. What do you think? No, I just don't see. It. I don't see her and Betty uh, opposite each other in any way, shape, or form. I just can't see it. And who, Loretta Young? Eh, maybe. <laughs> well, first you gotta be evil or have evil intent. And Loretta Young, I don't think she ever played a villain. Like the woman, literally had a show, and she was a nun and. And a mom, I mean, she she might have even been an angel. I don't know. So no, that was not gonna happen. It'd been interesting, you know. It might have. I think Olivia had to have one. Ended up being. I mean, Joan Fontaine could have certainly have done it. Um, you know, Olivia's sister. That would have been interesting. Um, I think there could have been a few choices. The choices that were mentioned, I can't, I mean, Vivian Lee against her would have been interesting. The, the battling Southern Bells would have been interesting. Um, yeah, it's interesting to contemplate these other options. And maybe even Barbara Stanwyck, I think, could have pulled it off pretty well. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the movie. What's the plot, uh, either Norman or um, uh, or Georgia? What's the plot of our movie? Okay. Well, Betty Davis plays Charlotte. She's a Southern belle who becomes a recluse after her married lover is found hacked to death at her party. And everybody believes that Charlotte is the one who committed this grisly murder. But she lives in this huge Louisiana plantation mansion all alone with a very disheveled maid being her only friend, played by Agnes Moorhead. And as if living alone for decades wasn't punishment enough. Okay, so the Highway Commission now wants to uh, have Charlotte vacate her home so they can build a road and a bridge through it. So she doesn't want to leave the only home she's ever known and living all these years alone. Her social skills are really lacking. So she asked her cousin Miriam, played by Olivia de Havilland, and uh, to come stay with her so that she can help her. And so all of a sudden, the past comes roaring back. Things start to get really creepy. Uh, and it takes poor Charlotte to the brink of madness. And, and that's when the fun begins. Oh, that was good. That was yeah. Really Let's see if we can take a look at this trailer. So this is coming from uh, this YouTube channel. 
uh, the making of Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, the MC backstory. So for those of you who are on, um, when you see this on YouTube, I'll try to put the um, link in the description box. And I think they have a little bit of the um, of the trailer. So um, I'm going to share that with us so we can take a look at that because that's, it was actually very interesting. Um, the backstory was just just as delicious as the movie and weird as well. So let's take a look at that. Hush, sweet Charlotte. Charlotte. Ah. No! No! Okay, so before we started doing this, uh, Norman is, and, and Georgia said it scared the bejesus. Could this have been the scene, one of the scenes that scared you guys? Yes, that and the head rolling down the staircase. It definitely recalls like Psycho, you know, it definitely brings to mind that. It's also shot in black and white, you know, in keeping with that sort of like horror genre that was, you know, kind of in the, you know, black and white was sort of a choice at this point. Uh, so it was clearly an artistic choice. Yeah, absolutely. In 1964, the gothic melodrama Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte told the lurid tale of a demented southern belle haunted by the memory of her lover's mysterious murder. That was creepy too. So that's so I, we don't, I'm going to try not, you know, Georgia knows I hate spoilers, but um, that was very creepy too and 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 it was just cruel and so that's why I think they needed the Havilland to do this because you know I'm gonna try not to give it too much away give too much away but this was really cruel what they did to this poor woman and so when you see what they do how they torture her you know it kind of all all makes sense you know you also have to like acknowledge um so Joseph Cotton you yes. know yes arm slash menace to the role. It's very similar to, you know, the part that he played like Uncle Charlie in um, that wonderful Hitchcock movie, uh, uh, Shadow of a Doubt. So he brings that sort of like same uh, presence to this movie, which is really uh, lovely to see. He's a great actor. Oh, there it goes. There's that head. <laughs> That's what I was waiting to see. <laughs> I'm sorry, George. I'm, I'm re-traumatizing you. <laughs> it's all for art. It's all for art. It's all for art. Well, that, go that ahead. Wait, or no, it's somebody. Um, oh my! I want to say it's John Voight, but I don't think that's correct. Oh, Bruce Dern. Dern, thank you. Yes. Yeah. And I want, he had a funny story um, about the making of it and I, and I didn't click on it and now I can't find it again. So I'll go back later on and, and look at it. But um, guys, we're kind of running out of time. But again, this is why we're here. Of course, there are several reviews of 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 um, of this movie on YouTube and, and, and wherever else. But nobody does it like George and I and no one has it the guests like George and I. So 
that's why we're here and, and to give a new take on, on these movies. And of course, we, like I said, we had to do Betty Davis. Um, Georgia, is there any more trivia and Norman um, before, before we get out of and, and Norman, I want to touch on the, the costumes and some of the trivia behind that as well. But Georgia, is there any more trivia for us? Yeah. I just wanted to say this was filmed at the Homeless House Plantation. It's in Burnside, Louisiana, not far from Baton Rouge. And when Mary Astor was filming there, she said, oh, my gosh, it's hellish hot. <laughs> and so, yeah, I wanted to also say that Mary Astor did a phenomenal job, just really well done. And this was her very last movie that she ever did. That, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Really ill at this point. Um, but it's amazing to see her and, and you know, the, the interplay between her and the detective gentleman, it's very lovely. That, that whole scene, uh, the end scene with them is really quite powerful. Um, I, I do want to bring up the clothes, uh, Olivia de Havilland in particular. I mean, the other ladies don't really, you know, aren't really fashion plates, but Olivia, by contrast, definitely is uh, of the moment. This is very 1964, ladylike, ladybird, you know, sort of inspired a-line sheath dresses, very elegant, very put together, very polished. Uh, if you want to know what 1964 ladies wore, this is what they wore. Very, very beautiful. Um, if Joan had got, gotten this part, she would have brought her own clothing to the role, which is something that she was fond of doing. She liked to bring her own wardrobe. Um, so it's interesting to see what she might have uh, contributed to it had she been uh, the cousin. Because this was such a rush job bringing in Olivia de Havilland, she had to use her own personal wardrobe. And uh, in the dinner scene, she's wearing this chiffon dress, and that's a Christian Dior dress that actually was from her own personal wardrobe. It looks great in it. She she definitely has a beautiful presence in this movie. It adds a lot of contrast to her character, Charlotte, and. Uh, I'm sorry, Norma, can you repeat that? Because it broke up. I'm sorry. Her elegant, you know, against Charlotte is a really uh, sharp contrast. Like, and also her very pulled together look um, sort of uh, belies some undercurrent stuff that's going on that makes it also interesting. Yeah, and I think that was on purpose, um, obviously, um, because like you all said, poor Charlotte was stuck pretty much in... in and antebellum, if you will, you know, um, times are kind of a little bit past that, but pretty much. Um, so, and and for all the camp of the movie, it just was really now as an adult and and um, on the other side of fifty, and you know, it, it, and we know what we know about elder abuse, and um, and I hate to bring the podcast now, but it just it just kind of hit differently. Do y'all know what I mean? Yes, because this movie was played with a certain amount of poignancy in her character that you don't see in whatever happened to baby Jane. And so when you watch the expressions on her face, like at the beginning, you know, her pain and anguish. And then later in the movie where you see, you know, where she thinks her uh, beau John is there. She has this hope and expectancy on her face. And then there is such an interplay. The last two minutes of this movie, there's absolutely no dialogue from Betty but you see such emotion there. And, but I have to say as a counterpoint, I found myself laughing at this movie because there's a scene, I'm not gonna describe it because 
we don't want to do a spoiler, but towards the end of the movie, there's something that Betty does. And let me tell you, I thought I was watching a Looney Tunes like Wally Coyote and the Roadrunner. And I started laughing. I just, and you'll probably know what scene I'm talking about. But anyway, I'll leave it to our listeners <laughs> because there's some times where I'm absolutely laughing. It's not meant to be funny, but I thought it was. It's like, oh, you go, Betty. <laughs> Well, and don't forget, I mean, Agnes Moorhead adds a lot of uh, really funny, Agnes Moorhead sort of like is the one who sees through all of the bullshit. And, you know, she really has some funny, funny lines. Um, and if you know, uh, Agnes Moorhead is like, you know, Endora from Bewitched, very glamorous, very elegant. And she's in this role. It's quite an interesting uh, thing to see her in this role. She really goes for it. Uh, it's one of those actors also who, you know, who didn't mind going that extra level to convey the character, and she really goes for it in a very satisfying way. She's really funny. She's she's got some great lines, and she was, of course, nominated. Well, not of course, because sometimes people get over, get overlooked. But she was nominated for an Academy Award. But guys, I was like considerably old till I realized that was Agnes Moore. Like the first 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 time I saw it, I had no idea that was Endora, and that's just a of course the makeup and whatever, but. She's two totally different people, and that's just that's just a testament to great acting. Yeah, she's chewing up the scenery and is over, you know, a little over the top, but and so is Endora, you know, and and, and uh, who doesn't who didn't love Endora? But so did y'all know it was her when y'all first like first 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 saw it? Because I saw it when I was like maybe my twenties or something, and I, I totally missed it. Did y'all know it was Endora? Because oh, I didn't know I didn't even though I saw the credits, it just still didn't click with me that was her. She she really fooled me. No, well, I was a kid when I saw it, so I didn't make the connection. And I used to watch Bewitched, but I didn't realize it was her. But uh, I was looking for her, and I thought, wow, I mean, she's such a scene stealer. She is absolutely amazing in this role. Yeah, and she's got some great. Um, I, I loved her in, in Dark Passage with Bogart and Bacall. Yes, yes. Really interesting character, but and and, and uh, very elegant, very beautiful. I mean, this woman had a great career. She was in, in some really top-notch movies, The Magnificent Amberson, Citizen. Yes. Yes. And, uh, uh, yeah, what a career. Well, guys, I'm going to end it on that note. Is there anything else? Because uh, I'm going to leave the floor to you all. Congratulations, guys. Uh, I'm so happy for you. You guys a lot of fun. Uh, it's a lot of fun to listen to. So good for you. I'm really happy that you, you bring movies people and the conversation going. Um, it's wonderful. So congratulations. Oh, thank you so much, Norman. I, that really touches us. We, I never would have dreamed we'd have gotten this far. I mean, we hoped. And then to have someone like you guesting on with our show is just really an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's always a treat. Yeah, well, Norman, you add so much to the show. And your knowledge just astounds me. I am beyond impressed and appreciate you so much for your contribution. I know a lot of trivia. <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> That's so funny. And, and look, we all found each other and the other people who follow us to deposit all this stuff. Because I mean, it's, you know, when you do a podcast like this, it is niche and you can grow and we are trying to grow it. And we just, you know, got to really put our nose to the grindstone. But you got to really love it because it's, it's not today's has headlines. Or is it? It's not. It is, it is not super sexy or anything. So you got to really be passionate about 
Um, and these people are all dead for the most part, <laughs> most part, even though it's a lot of them like Joan and Betty, they led salacious lives and such, but it's the past. So to bring this back to life, you, you have to be sincere and you have to have people like Norman and, and, um, you ultimate fashion history and all the people, uh, the oasis and um the different groups we're a part of so we're out there we're finding each other but thanks thanks for all the groups that we're a part of on facebook and of course the uh youtube that keeps all everything alive um so yeah thanks again so georgia is anything else or is there anything else you want to say before we head on out no it was great fun today and it's a wrap for me well guys i'm moya and i'm georgia and thanks again to our special, special guest, Norman, of the Ultimate Fashion History. Please check out their uh, YouTube channel and their Facebook page of the same name. If you want quality con content on fashion, clothes, interior design, style from the past and present, and sometimes the future, please go over to that channel. It's that, that page. It is so much fun. And I don't know, Norman, how you guys find the content and just i mean it's, it's a bunch of them over there so they have a lot of people working but they have such great content because it's such a cross-section of people i think the love of old movies and old you know it, it does bring an interesting cross-section of folks you know people that you know might not have much in common seem to like really enjoy uh this community uh you know and it's it's always interesting and everybody brings to it something different everybody has like a different i like the movies other people like certain designers or certain eras and so everybody's kind of like a little expert in their own little world and and they they share their their knowledge with everybody Everybody. It's really fun. And you get quite a cross section of all kinds of uh, historical uh, knowledge and, and especially about clothes and history of clothes and, and yeah, and the impact of clothes on society and, and back and forth. Really quite, quite a fun thing to be part of. And I just want to pull up your page quickly um, so everyone can get a glance of what we're talking about and it came up right away because i'm always perusing over there and let me just quickly share their page um with and that you might want to think about doing the bride war red on a future episode oh yeah because y'all just featured um so here's their page y'all just featured that that dress right norman Oh yeah, y'all just featured that dress, right? Yep. Yeah. And then then y'all did some other dresses as well. So um well that's what I like because people will respond to each other's comments and add like to the conversation, which is always fun. Uh, gentlemen to the comment of Bride War Red by this is the same dress being recycled, which is another fun thing about like uh film fashion. So this is the same dress. Uh, that was used in 1937, designed by Adrian, that pops up in subsequent other productions. Um, also, I wanted to point out when you mentioned the woman singing in the jazz uh, you know, uh, group and uh, the bar at uh, Betty Davis's bar, she's wearing a top that Eve Arden originally wore in Mildred Pierce. So clothes are constantly being recycled. In, in no way, get out of here, that's crazy. Yeah, it's so funny. Wow. You are a bastion of fashion knowledge. That's so funny. 
I wish I could wear those. I would have to, I would have to like never eat again to get in that red dress. Eat a good girdle. You'll be fine. <laughs> Norman, I need several girls. I would have to cut off blood sir. I would I would look good, but I'd pass out at some point. Well, these women, these huh? women sacrificed for these looks. Georgia, would you try to wear something like that? I wish I could, but I mean, oh my gosh. No, like I I I I would definitely need to lose some weight off. Like I said, saran wrap myself and put a girdle on. But like Georgia, say like in your younger years, like would you ever I say wear it now. But like just period, would you wear a dress like that? Uh yes, I would. <laughs> and where would you wear it? I probably would have worn it to a some kind of a formal event that I was going to because every once in a while I had a chance to go to something that was just very dressy. And I mean, you were that. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? I mean, it's beyond bell of the ball. I mean, you would be center stage. It, it, I don't even know the words to describe it. That is like a one in a million dress. It is just a showstopper. Yeah, I would have worn it. You bet. You know, Norman, let us know. I think we should do, like you said, do feature red dresses because now that's making me go back to my most favorite dress of all time, Scarlett, when she goes to Melanie's birthday party and she wears, I, I if I ever renew my vows, I would have to have that dress remade. So like maybe, maybe we all should do like a video of like just infamous or famous red dresses. What do you think? Don't forget um, uh, uh, Jezebel wore the red dress to the Olympus Ball and caused yes. questions. Huh. Oh my gosh. I forgot about that. Yes. Red, red. I think I've worn, I don't know, have y'all heard this, but if you read, if, if a woman wore red to a wedding, like that means something. Like either she, it's a statement and not a good one. Have y'all heard that before? You don't wear red or black to a wedding unless you're asked to. <laughs> okay. Okay. I have worn red to someone's wedding and no, I did not like them. I did it on purpose. <laughs> you're yeah. hilarious. Did you create a scandal? <laughs> like I cared, you know, I, I no, and no one would tell me anything because they knew better, but <laughs> I don't think they liked the person either. So I think we was just all, we were all there under duress. So it didn't matter. Yeah. Well, I think another bad color would be white also because you'd be competing with the bride. So that's another I've done that too. I've done that. <laughs> this show has taken a turn. This show has taken a turn. It's not all about Moya. It's all about Eve. Like, how to ruin a friend's wedding and what easy stuff. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing, Norman. We weren't friends. We were friendly. I get it. I get it. One of them I, I thought was my friend. And, it, and and this was why I was younger. I would never do that now because that's terrible. That's not the Christian thing to do. <laughs> and child, who getting married now anyway? That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Ain't nobody getting married anymore. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. Well, guys, look. As I draw back on my cigarettes, thanks for playing with us today. <laughs> we have some lovely parting gifts for you. All right. You ladies are crazy. It's really fun to hang out with you. Yes, thank you guys. We love you all. And we look, I don't I can't remember what our next movie is, but we we will see you next time. 
It's Cocoon, by the way. Oh, thank you. Cocoon, Cocoon. So, yeah, we'll see you next week. Not, not this week, but the week following. You guys take care. How about it, David, say in my life? I'm Moya. And I'm Georgia. And thanks again, Norman, for the fifth time. We are leaving this time, guys. You all have a great week. See you in the next time for Cocoon. Bye-bye. <laughs>